This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll look ahead to what state legislative committees will be delving into and get commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about Illinois' pension debt, the state's high property taxes, an audit of Illinois' prison system, and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at thecentersquare.com, the country's fastest-growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state-focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. We know that you want to get a quick update on what's happening at the state capitol in Springfield and across the state. Our team writes short, impactful stories that help all Illinoisans understand what's going on in their home state. We know that you need information that allows you to understand what the governor and your local legislators are doing. Our team covers government and the activity of elected officials so you can make sense of how their activity affects you and your family and your future here in Illinois. We know Illinois because we live in Illinois. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com. Thecentersquare.com. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. Illinoisans are responsible for more than $18,000 per person in unfunded future debt for the state of Illinois because of pensions more than any other state in America. According to credit rating agency Moody's, Cole Lauterbach has that story. The ratings agency released its annual estimation of state liabilities this week. In fiscal year 2018, Illinois had $240 billion in estimated pension liabilities. That's $10 billion more than the next highest state of California, a state with 26 million more people than Illinois and a much larger economy. Jim Tobin of Taxpayers United for America says pension debt is the root cause of many of Illinois' fiscal issues. The pensions are the reason that is the state and local government pensions, not private pensions. The state and local government pensions in Illinois are the reason for the bankruptcy of Illinois. That $240 billion is lower than what it was in 2017, largely due to better-than-expected market returns. I'm Colt Lauterbach. A public finance analyst says a memo Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker reportedly sent state agency directors to formulate scenarios for 6.5% budget reductions next year could be a sign of a few different things. Truth and Accounting Research Director Bill Bergman said the memo could be a sign things aren't as solid economically as they were four months ago when the state enacted its largest spending plan to date. It may also be uh, uh, evidence of an increasingly obvious financial reality that our our ambitious think-big plans may have been a little too ambitious. Bergman said another reason could be groundwork to change the state's flat income tax. The administration may uh, feel the need to feel a little bit more um, careful in its spending as a way to um, lay the basis for its case for a graduated income tax. Messages seeking comment about the memo from the governor's office were not returned. Democratic State Senator Heather Stain said the memo to her is a sign that there could be a national economic downturn. Illinois is not in the best shape for that. We have 
a high backlog of unpaid bills still that we're dealing with. Um, and we know we're going to have another increase in pension costs for the next fiscal year. So we know things are going to be tight. Republican State Representative Alan Skillicorn reacted to the memo. Uh, frankly, Illinois' finances are so bad uh, because we spend so much money on pensions that the governor has to do everything he can uh, to bring more money in and cut everywhere else uh, because he refuses to do the hard work, which is reform pensions. Skillicorn said there needs to be a constitutional amendment to allow lawmakers to lower promised pension payouts. A plan Stain said didn't have much support in the state legislature. Despite a new report showing the state's casinos generated less money and had nearly 6% fewer visitors than the year before, a state senator is ready for more gambling options in Illinois. The Illinois Commission on Government Forecasting and Accountability reports gaming revenues up overall, but casinos sent the state 3.3% less over the year and had a 5.9% reduction in visitors. Even so, State Senator Dave Severson's ready for six new casinos lawmakers approved to compete with casino plans in neighboring states. If we don't put our own casinos in as a defensive mode, you're going to see the amount of dollars leaving the state growing at even a faster rate. A mandated feasibility study said the tax rates were too high to attract private investment for Chicago's casino. Severson said that study was flawed. They studied five locations. Those five locations were all terrible locations for a casino. The Illinois Gaming Board this week merged the General Assembly to modify the terms for a Chicago casino based off that study. Severson said because the gambling expansions to fund infrastructure, giving Chicago a better deal hurts the rest of the state's infrastructure investment. They're already getting a better deal, which is not fair. But to change that and give them even a fairer deal uh, is going to hurt every single community in the state. He said if Chicago wants to change how it'll benefit from the casino, so be it. But he said the rest of the state shouldn't be punished. Lawmakers also approved expanded video gaming throughout the state, but Severson was frustrated by the pace of the implementation of the changes. Every month that we delay, that's you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of lost revenue, both to the state and to local government. The gaming board said it was 90% the way through expanded gaming rules. The sports wagering public comment period is open until September 27th. Other rules concerning so-called race casinos, where racetracks can have casinos, have also been filed. A leading member of the Illinois Property Tax Relief Task Force says that there may be a push to change the state's flat income tax to one with higher rates for higher earners as a way to relieve property taxes, which are the second highest in the nation in Illinois. Critics of the task force say it's too large and too cumbersome. This week alone, there were five subcommittee meetings. Republicans have said it's an effort to sell the public Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker's progressive income tax amendment which voters get to vote on next year. Democratic State Representative Fred Crespo co-chairs the task force's school funding subcommittee, one of the task force's seven subcommittees. He said the progressive tax may very well be one of the outcomes the task force reports to the governor. We need to also factor in that we're asking people to take a vote on a progressive income tax. And maybe there's a tie-in with the progressive income tax and property tax relief based on the recommendations of this task force. So... I'm somewhat encouraged. Opponents of a progressive income tax say it'll repel investment, won't generate as much as supporters say it will, and eventually push tax rates higher onto the middle class. The task force is set to deliver a report to the governor October 11th and another one before the end of the year.
A new two-year audit of the Illinois Department of Corrections shows employees abusing sick leave, vacation time, and overtime, something a prison watchdog says not only hurts taxpayers, but could put inmates and employees at risk. The Illinois Department's Auditor General audits published Wednesday reports a total of 977,000 hours of overtime at a cost of nearly $43 million in fiscal year 2018. Of a sample, auditors found 20% used a full day of leave at least once during the year, the same day that they worked an overtime shift. One instance had an employee use leave time the same day they worked overtime for 12 different days. John Howard Association Executive Director Jenny Volen-Katz said it's not only bad economically and not something that's tolerated in the private sector, it's also dangerous for everyone inside prison walls from employees to inmates. We don't want people that are overworked that are tired, that are not, you know, coming to work each day um, as prepared and as alert as they should be in order to keep everybody inside the facilities safe. The audit also found IDOC didn't have an automated payroll or timekeeping system, a finding repeated since 1998. Not having such a system can lead to increased errors and efficiencies. Another safety concern the audit highlighted was corrections officials not using metal detectors on inmates that work in kitchens or machine shops where metal's present. Don't discount an effort to revert the Illinois House back to the way it was before a major change in the 1980s. A longtime political observer says having multi-member legislative districts is actually more representative. The Effingham County Board passed a resolution this week to ask county voters if Illinois' House should have three legislators per district, with no more than two being from one political party, instead of single-member districts. Board Vice Chairman David Campbell said it would cost taxpayers more in legislative salaries, but... You know, again, the, the, the shift in control would, would offset the cost. We think it would bring the two sides a little closer together and be able to negotiate better deals. He said better deals are needed to address underfunded pensions and other major issues that taxpayers care about but aren't being addressed. Kent Redfield worked for the legislature before the so-called cutback amendment in the 1980s. Now he's a politics professor who says multi-member districts are more representative. Single-member districts and extreme gerrymanders tend to drive the parties more to the extremes rather than than to the uh, uh, to the middle. Redfield said that would change the dynamic of one-party domination in the Illinois House and make the House more representative, but. He said it'll be an uphill battle. Reform is always a tough sell because the people that care the most and understand it the best are the people that are advantaged by the status quo. Redfield also said the cutback amendment was an easy sell in the 1980s because supporters talked about getting rid of politicians and saving money. Campbell said the move to change the legislature to single-member districts was to the detriment of voters. Well, it is mob rule. Democracy, it would be a mob rule. Uh, if we had the, uh, you know, the republic, uh, all voices would be heard. It wouldn't just be one-sided like it is now. Campbell said he and others are already in talks with counties and across the state looking to pass similar resolutions with the hope of a statewide campaign to place such a question on a statewide ballot. Those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop.
everyone, and welcome back to Illinois in Focus's Crosstalk segment. This is Chris Krug, publisher of Center Square here in Illinois. And I'm joined once again by Dan McHale, the executive editor of the Center Square. Dan, how are you? Doing well, Chris. Uh, packing up things, getting ready to go visit my son at the University of Alabama, go watch a football game. Probably not a very good one, but roll tide. Roll tide. Good for you. It's so important. This is the time of the year to go and see the kids out of state because, you know, you can actually manage yourself around the weather, although I don't know what kind of weather they're having down there. I saw Texas was getting absolutely blasted by Imelda this week, and hopefully you'll stay high and dry. Hot. That's the forecast. Hot. Hot. Um, The news is hot, Dan. Um, We've got a couple of things to talk about here on the Crosstalk segment where we try to make sense of the news of the week. Let's start with this new report uh, from Moody's, the bond rating uh, organization uh, that offers guidance to investors. And if uh, states want to pay attention to it, I guess they can too. They're saying now that Illinois' unfunded pension obligations um, are really more like $240 billion. So that would be – on the way to being like a quarter of a trillion dollars in unfunded pension payment responsibilities that Illinoisans have. Uh, and this is in light of what has been a, a, a pretty strong bull market uh, in, the, uh, in the stock market where a lot of this money is, is held and managed. So what's, uh, what's going on there and um, what's the latest? Well, yeah, it's a lot of zeros, and it's 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 really it's difficult for yeah you know, a lot of people, including myself, to get their minds around. Um, a quarter of a trillion dollars is what Moody's estimate. Almost a quarter of a trillion dollars. I think it's closer to 241 billion dollars um, is what Moody's estimates that uh, the state's five public pension systems uh, their their uh, their debt is if. Each individual individual in the state of Illinois, um, and I'm talking about people who are working and people who aren't working because they're not old enough to work. If we were to pay that debt off at once, everyone would owe more than twenty thousand dollars, including your children. Um, it's it's unfathomable. It's actually, believe it or not, as you mentioned, the booming stock market. Um, it's actually down a little bit from last year because of the investment increases, but that's starting to stabilize and Moody's. Um, Moody's expects, anticipates that that $241 billion is going to start growing again uh, pretty soon. It's just, it's mind-blowing how uh, how poorly we've managed our pensions. Well, I'm going to have to talk to the kids at home about that because I think that they're, you know, they're saving up for some like LOL dolls or some uh, silly putty or whatever the heck kids are goofing around with now. Um, those things are going to have to be set aside because they got some obligations. Yeah, and just to put it even in, in some some other perspective, Illinois that pension debt that number that we talked about two hundred forty one billion dollars is worst in the nation. Um, second worst um, is California, which has three times the population of more than three times the population of uh, Illinois. And theirs is $230 billion, which is still a big number, um, but as large as California is to, to come in second behind Illinois says something. But the more telling one is the third state, which is Texas, which also is larger, significantly larger than in population than Illinois. 
Theirs is at $133 billion, more than $100 billion less than Illinois. Now, if I'm a Texan, and I might be at some point in the future, uh, I wouldn't be happy about that number. But just to show the gap between first and third, that $141 billion, or $241 billion Illinois pension debt and $133 billion Texas shows you how seriously awful things are in this in the state of Illinois. Well, that's uh, that's certainly a, a, a bright spot to start the the, the chat. Um, let's keep it rosy and talk about property taxes, which um, you know, home ownership in in the county where where I live and the county where you live is extremely high. At one point, Henry County had the highest percentage of home ownership in the United States. I don't know if that's still the case. But a task force was put together uh, composed of, I believe it was 88 uh, legislators from around the state to try to come up with an answer. Um, we're still not talking about pension reform in the, in the state of Illinois, and we're still paying a significant portion of property tax to local pensions. So where are they in their – progress uh have they made any progress what are they talking about are there findings what do people in illinois need to know yeah well the, the task force was born out of the um progressive income tax um talk if you recall during session um uh it was governor well one it was governor pritzker's uh one of his top priorities um and the general assembly democratic controlled Dem general General Assembly went along with them, and voters will decide next November, November uh, 2020, whether or not to change the state's constitution to allow for a progressive income tax, one that sets, that charges higher income uh, earners higher rates. During that discussion, some lawmakers said, hey, if we're going to raise income taxes yet again, because they had just done so in 2017, we should take a look at our insanely high property taxes. Let's create another task force. I think this is about the 37th task force studying property taxes uh, in, in a couple of decades. But at least they're looking at it. I don't know how good an 88-member committee uh, is going to be at um, at coming up with some recommendations. Uh, a lot of different viewpoints there, but we'll see. But they've started meeting. The goal is for them to have uh, recommendations um, by the end of the year. But listen, we've been talking about this thing for, for decades. Our property taxes are too high, and we know what the what's driving that. Uh, spending uh, and pe pensions, which we just talked about, um, and the number of units of local government school districts where we have more than 150 school districts in the state which is more than any other uh any other state in the country uh government consolidation and pension reform are the two largest drivers of uh, of high property taxes if they don't touch those um it's a waste of everybody's time it'll be interesting to see what they come up with i'm not too terribly hopeful but as i like to say as often as I can. I look forward to seeing that on the financials. Um, speaking of financials, an audit for the state's Department of Corrections, this is the Illinois Department of Corrections that, that I'm talking about, uh, was released this week. And my goodness, it just seems like that operation is in disarray. Um, they spent $2 billion, nearly $2 billion, 
in fiscal year 18, which was $700 million in the year before, despite the fact that the inmate population, which is huge. I mean, you think about like, you know, these conversations we have around criminal justice reform in the state of Illinois. Here's why that needs to happen. Um, the inmate population in 2017, fiscal year end, was just under 46,000. I mean, that's the size of a, of a city. I mean, that's a huge number of people. Um, that number has dropped to 41,704 per the audit. But the use of money, you know, beyond, you know, the sort of the overarching, the $700 million of, of increases, this audit found that there was like rampant misuse of sick time and um, overtime shifts that weren't really overtime shifts. And, you know, some other things that are just like sloppy operational, um, you know, expenses. So what's, you know, what's your take on this? You know, what can they do about it? And who's going to be the person that's responsible for taking this, this on? Well, certainly there's people need to be held accountable for this. I mean, that I didn't do the, I'm doing the math in my head, but that's something like a 60 to 70% increasing increase in spending year over year, even though your prison population declines by the numbers you said, by about 4,000 um, people. How is that even possible? Um, people who are logging overtime on the same day that they're logging sick days, so they're getting they're double billing uh, state taxpayers for uh, for that time. Um, now, certainly there, there, there was some legitimate overtime there. That creates safety concerns for everybody in state prisons. This, uh, this report was just eye-opening and terrifying, to be honest with you, if you have anything to do with the DOC or if you're a taxpayer funding the DOC. Something needs to res- result from this audit report. People need to be held accountable. Without question, it's a, it's it's a it's a mess. I mean, there's there's really a, there's there's no way without you know going deep into my rolodex of pejoratives to describe it, other than uh, it's a mess. There was a, another uh, report that came out this week. You know, still you know we're obviously we're focused here on Illinois in this, but the U.S. Chamber Institute for Legal Reform polled 1,300 corporate attorneys. So these are attorneys that would represent businesses uh, and also senior executives from that company to talk about the current state of litigation within their state. And this is litigation that's aimed at companies and corporations. And Illinois, which had been ranked 48th in in the country, and that's at the near the bottom, actually sank to the bottom uh, in the most updated survey of this group, what's at the root of that, and uh, why is this just viewed by attorneys and and executives as being a difficult place to do business with regard to litigation? It's kind of funny all these national reports that come out that uh, rank the states. I, Illinois never see, never seems to be on the top end or the better end. They're always in the bottom five or ten, uh, and this is just another one. Uh, essentially, uh, Illinois has been known as a legal hellhole for for years, for decades uh, even, um, and now, and, and keep in mind, this is a national organization. They're pulling attorneys from across the country um, who are uh, using different criteria, ranking the states, um, be, uh, 
on the cost of litigation, and uh, Illinois came in worst. And what's driving that is the lack of, for example, um, caps on uh, what uh, judges or juries can award to plaintiffs, um, or caps that are far that far exceed uh, other uh, uh, other states. And of course, there's a cost when when a jury awards, um, for example, um, a, a person whatever tens of millions of dollars. Um, because of a workplace injury that has costs on that business that drives businesses out of state. Businesses certainly consider that when they're looking to expand. Um, it's just another reason why, why Illinois is considered a poor place for job creators. It's, and I, I mean, I would think that, you know, a, a survey like this wouldn't necessarily measure. I mean, to be fair about a study such as this, a study such as this, I should say. I don't believe that there are just as many, you know, corporations or corporate attorneys in, say, Mississippi as there are in, in Illinois, because we have more corporations here. But I would look at this information and, and judge it to be fair in the attitude around that. And, in, and that plays out in, in many ways in the headlines that we read. So people are trying to understand well, what does that mean well if i own a manufacturing company and you know the 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 uh, someone does sustain as you noted like a workplace injury and that workplace injury occurs in illinois versus say indiana it's markedly different i mean correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't that one of the reasons why caterpillar shifted a fair amount of its production and manufacturing out of illinois over to indiana you know, within the past few years. Right. And why, they, why they've said that they're not going to expand uh, in Illinois because of, of things like this. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons why Illinois has the highest uh, worker, worker compensation costs for businesses in the Midwest. I think it's the seventh highest uh, in the U.S. And it's, it, it, again, it's just another reason why um, Illinois is uh, frowned upon by business owners, by job creators. Dan, I always appreciate the opportunity to take a look at the news and to get a little bit deeper into it with you, what it means and um, why things are happening and, and uh, to add some level of context for the people that listen to us uh, both on Illinois Radio Network and on our podcast. So thanks again for joining me. I appreciate it. I look forward to catching up with you next week. Sounds good. Enjoy it as well, always. For Dan McHale, this has been Chris Krug. You've been listening to Illinois In Focus, the Crosstalk segment. Now over to Greg Bishop for a look at the news stories the Center Square Illinois will be pursuing next week. Next week, there are several committees scheduled for state lawmakers to tackle a variety of issues. A House Mental Health Committee will delve into vaping and e-cigarettes. A different House committee will evaluate lead levels in Chicago water. The Illinois Property Tax Relief Task Force has five meetings next week. This is lawmakers prepared to bring forward issues they hope to tackle during the six days of fall veto session beginning late next month. This has been Illinois in Focus. Find more Illinois stories and commentary online. Visit thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square, Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop. 